touch the hearts and the minds of the folks who are here and and uh, make them fertile soil just to hear from you and for your spirit to, to land and find growth, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, that I, uh, um, that I would speak just sharing what you have to say, Lord, not what I have to say, but, you know, not my, my lame jokes, not my, um, not my way, but yours, Lord. Help me to not get in the way of what you do and hear from you. Amen. Um, if you have children, apparently uh, I have, my wife would, I, we have an announcement that it's time for children to go to children's church, except not today. Yes, if you have children, they should go to children's church. Larry's got that smile. It makes me nervous. I <laughs> Is there water in it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I, uh, that was also a mean joke. I've changed my shirt several times today because I keep spilling or um, not putting on the right clothes. And so this is my third outfit for the day. Um, and I do have a change of shirts in the office yet, so I could potentially go there. Um, sitting on my nightstand at my house, um, I have two books. Um, my my favorite author um, um, died last year. He uh, I found out he was he had Alzheimer's. I found out about a year before he died that he was that he was sick. And, and over the course of the year, he'd post updates on his Facebook page, and he died. And um, shortly after his death, his very last book was released. And and I was about halfway through his second to last book when I found out he was he was dying. And I and I stopped reading it and I put it away. Um, and I didn't know there was another one coming out, but when the other one came out, I put them together, and I, I thought about it long and hard, and I realized this guy's written almost 70 books that I've read, um, like 70 novels. He is my favorite author. I, I um, will only get to read one and a half more books from him, and that'll be it forever. And, and that might sound a little crazy, but like I, I mean, when I read a book um, the first time, and actually sometimes it happens with movies, this is, maybe other people experience this, where, where I start reading and it just becomes immersive and like it becomes exciting and it's almost like, you know, you get to the end and it's, it's almost a letdown because it's this awesome thing that you just experienced and nobody else gets it. Is that just me? Come on. <laughs> and so I'm looking at these two books and knowing this is it. And I can always go back and reread them, but there's this thing, familiarity breeds um, resentment or, or what's the word? Contempt. I had it in my head. I said it a hundred times before I started, and and I uh, forgot it when I got up here. Um, familiarity breeds contempt, and and um, and it's true. I mean, there are all these things that come into our lives, all these wonderful things that we encounter every day that become almost commonplace, and you forget them, right? Uh, two summers ago, I, I talked about this in the first service. I I took Abby camping up in the mountains, and and you know I took my little three-year-old and and it. At 2 o'clock in the morning, we woke up and we got out of bed and we went outside and we sat under the stars and we looked at the stars. And my daughter, the only word that she said over and over again was, wow. Wow. Have any of y'all done this in Montana? You guys have no idea how amazing of a blessing you have. Because you go to Chicago, you can't see the stars. They don't exist. Um, but here you see them. But if you see them enough times, they disappear, Right. And the mountains, all of these things, like we have these wonderful things around us, and it's easy to lose sight and to forget how amazing they are. And, and my fear in kind of diving into the story of the resurrection, into diving into the story of Jesus is um, you hear it, right? If you're a Christian, you've heard it. Um, and it's something that should bring wonder into our lives every time we talk about it. It should be something that, like, like every day of your life, you wake up and you say, man, 
life is better because of what's happened. Life is worth living because he lives. Right? And it's a perfect song for, for the day, right? Like, like we are blessed. It is such an amazing thing that we have a God that loves us so much that when we were his enemy, like when we hated him to the core of who we are, he sent his son to die for us. And I, I for years, I've worked in churches and, and with, with um, religious groups, and I've watched people who just get, they just say it enough times, they get tired of it, right? The first church I went to was a Lutheran church, and they, they were very, uh, they would recite things. You guys know what I'm talking about? And I was this 15-year-old kid who was finding Jesus for the first time and discovering that, like, God cared that I was here, you know, and that, that he cared so much for me and that, that I could be made new and all of these things. I was so excited by it that we'd recite those creeds and I would, like, I was energetic and it was weird to me that the people around me kind of, it, <laughs> it was like they'd said it a million times before and lost interest. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, and I'm not saying that to judge those folks. They changed my life, so don't hear me. But, like, like as we dive into this this morning, I'm going to do my best to kind of cover what I have to say without going to 1 o'clock, okay? But it's Anne's fault if I do. Um, <laughs> but um, there's so much stuff to talk about. It is so exciting. It is so worth hearing that, you know, I want to get in as much as, as of the good stuff as I can. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like eating cake. I always want the corners. Why do I want the corners? Because it's got more frosting. Um, and then I eat all of the other stuff, and I eat the frosting last. And I get that sugar rush. Am I the only person who does this? No. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. You and me, buddy. <laughs> My wife does it too. So. Um, um, so as we dive into this, <laughs> she said, no, she does. Her whole family does. Um, we call it yearwooding in my family. Um, so a little background. On Friday, we celebrated Good Friday, right, which, which is a service that's a little like a funeral, right? Like it is heavy and it's dark. We discussed the fact that God's son, like through whom everything was created, came into this world and was one of us, right, because he had to know, but because in God's love and mercy for us, it's so immense that he would leave the throne room of heaven and be born. Have you any of y'all ever watched a baby being born? It is gross. It is not majestic. Can I get an amen? And was it right? It is. I mean, it's wonderful once it's done, and it doesn't look as painful as they say. I watched it happen twice. It didn't seem that bad to me. Um, but it is gross. Like it, yet, God who created us, God who created us, was born, became a person, learned to go potty on his own. Think about that. Learned to walk on his own and fell and skinned his knee. All of that for you. And then, then after it was all said and done, right, we arrested him, we beat him, we tortured him, we put him through an illegal trial, and then we nailed him to a piece of wood and hung him in public naked. Um, and I say we because, honestly, like, I wasn't there. I wasn't born yet. Craig was. He's old enough. But, <laughs> but... In reality, all of us, all of us, our sin, every time I violate God's law, every time I'm nasty to my wife because I don't feel like being in a good mood, every time I, I you know, I'm self-centered or, or gossip or any of that stuff, any time I do that stuff, I'm a part of that, right? Because that's sin that Jesus died for, right? Um, on the cross, God poured all his wrath against my sin and your sin 
and your neighbor's sin and that jerk who cut you off in traffic last week. Actually, it was Montana. That didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but that guy's sin, like all of that stuff, like all of that wickedness, like that God judge, like because God judges, um, all of it was poured out on him. And because of that, like nothing against us. And that's something to be, like, man, that's worth celebrating, isn't it? Like my whole dirty record is made clean. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus' righteousness. That's worth, I mean, that's worth shouting about, isn't it? That's why on Easter morning we say, he is risen. Thank you. Everybody who was here in the first service knew you were supposed to yell. Because <laughs> um, it is the biggest claim of Christianity that after Jesus was executed, he was put in the tomb, and then three days later he rose again, right? Um, in fact, actually, there's a great chapter in the Bible. If you're not familiar with the Bible, if you don't read it, 1 Corinthians 15, right? Paul is writing about Jesus rising from the dead. He says, you know what? Jesus appeared to this guy, and then this guy, and then this guy, and then this guy, and then in this city he appeared to 500 people at once, and then he appeared to me. And he says, look, if you don't believe me, ask all those folks. They'll tell you it's the truth. And he says, if Jesus did not rise again, then there's no hope. Then all of this is a joke, right? But he did. Um, and we're going to kind of dive in today as to what it's about. Um, we're going to be looking at the book of Romans. And in the previous chapter, I'm going to give you a real quick explanation. Paul is writing. And Paul tends to be, you know, ten and a half dollar words. You know what I mean? Paul tends to be very thick. It's a little like reading a college textbook sometimes where you've got to sit down and kind of draw a picture so you can follow it. Everybody with me? Um, it's sort of the anti-Eric. Hopefully I'm simple. Everybody says, but don't worry, Eric, you are simple. Um, <laughs> and so as Paul is talking about sin, he's talking about Adam, the first man, the man who brought sin into the world, right? He sins, and then Christ. So everybody, like, receives sin through Adam, right? We're born with it because Adam had it. And all of us are, like, basically dead in sin because of it. And, like, lots and lots of people have died, like, like spiritually because of Adam. However... That one man, Jesus, is the opposite. Through his one death for us, life comes into the creation. And that's awesome. Um, we're brought to new life. We're given forgiveness. And God forgives us more and more and more. And you know what? It's a well that doesn't run dry. It's not like, oh, used up my forgiveness. I guess I'm in trouble. Right? You see that in cartoons sometimes. Someone will go to heaven and they'll have the scale. There ain't no scale. Right? You cannot outrun God's love for you and his grace for you. And that's what Paul tells us. He says, listen, there is no outrunning it. In fact, David said it, and everybody who hears me preach regularly has heard me say this a hundred times, but I bank on this. David wrote, even if I make my bed in hell, when the day comes that God comes to get me, he'll find me there, right? You can't outrun his love for you and his mercy and his grace, and he's awesome. So Paul starts his next chapter in Romans. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that may, grace may abound? So what he's saying is, um, so look, God will keep forgiving us. So wait a minute, maybe we should sin a lot. That way God gets to forgive us more. We can be more thankful. <laughs> Let's start robbing people. Um, and Paul says, are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into, your, into his death? Now watch this. This is where the argument gets important. Follow me here. He says, 
listen, we can't live in sin. We can't dive back into it, right? Because all of us who are baptized, like if you're a follower of Jesus, it's one of those things you're supposed to do is be baptized, right? It is a public proclamation that I belong to Jesus, right? Um, and it is, it is a part of committing to follow him. So everyone who is baptized into Christ is baptized into his death. Well, what the heck does that even mean? Well, Jesus sort of explains it. He touches on it. He says, um, this is Mark. He says, Jesus said to them, do you know what you are asking? This is uh, Ma- uh, Mark and his brother asked to sit on either side of Jesus in heaven. Hey, can we be in like a special place in heaven so everybody knows how awesome we are? And Jesus was like, you have no idea what you're even asking for, buddy. He says, you have no idea. Can you drink from the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism which I will be baptized? What he's saying is, like, that cup that he drinks is God's wrath. The baptism that he's talking about is his death. Literally, like, Jesus is talking about baptism as in killed, dead, and brought back to life. Got it? And actually, like, if you look at how the Jewish Bible was written, how Jews, like, understood the world, water was chaotic, and it was associated with death. So when you see the sea, it's usually a symbol for um, like death or hell, right? And like, like when we see baptism, part of what's happening there, actually we'll see it in, I'm going to jump over my other verse. Sorry, guys. If you read it yourself, that's fantastic. Um, we are buried, therefore, with him, this is Paul, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now watch this. Jesus was executed, Right? He breathed his last breath and he died. Um, He was physically taken down and put into a tomb. Um, And when we follow Jesus, if you are a person who believes in Jesus, says Jesus is the son of God, he died for my sins, I'm going to like follow him and let him be my boss and that is how I'm going to live. There's a part of you that dies, right? It's not the same kind of part of you that dies like when you hear a Justin Bieber song and it's like, man, I just died inside. It's, it's a little different. It's this old, broken part of you. Um, this old, sinful man in you dies. And, and actually, he goes on. He's about to say this in the next section here. But, like, that part of you is dead. It is nailed to the cross of Jesus. It is dead and gone. And there is a new man that comes out. This brand new version of you that comes to life, that's resurrected. Because all of us, if you are not in spiritual relationship with God, you are spiritually dead. Um, Spiritually dead, disconnected. It's like a flower. I give flowers to my wife. It always strikes me as odd that basically, like, I'm taking a living thing, killing it, and giving it to her. Right? I mean, once you cut it off from the stem, like, from the root, it ain't alive anymore. You know, it it might take a little while to start to smell funny, but it's going to get there. Um, All of us are spiritually dead from birth. If we are not in connection with God, we're spiritually dead. Christ was raised from the dead, um, and we are raised with him, brought into new life from the moment we believe. So from the moment you believe in Jesus, there is this old part of you that dies, and you become a brand new person. I I used to work in a mental health facility, and I had a conversation. I've mentioned this more than once because some people are going to roll their eyes. I didn't tell that story again, but it is one of the most powerful moments I've ever had in my life. Like, I'm sitting and talking to this young lady. She was a, a meth addict, and she had been a prostitute, and she had done a whole bunch of other terrible stuff. She'd robbed her parents. She had, I mean, like, she began going through the list, and it made me sick, right? And I was telling her about Jesus, and she said, you know, no, 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 no. God can't forgive me. And I went, no, God can't. Well, no, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know, 
like how rotten I am, God wouldn't even look at me. There's no way he can forgive me. And in reality, like, like because Jesus died for us, can I explain this to her? The moment you believe in him, all of that stuff you did, as far as the east is from the west, God has taken it away from you. It's gone. Paid in full, taken away. You know, though your sins are like scarlet, you'll make them white as the snow. That's in Isaiah. Like brand new people. And so like we are therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Now watch this. That newness of life means that we're resurrected with him. We begin to walk different. Um, Ephesians has this line, um, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with him in, or with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Grace, by the way, watch this. Grace means a gift you cannot earn and do not deserve. Got that? Meaning, so like by God's grace, this gift he gives us that we cannot earn and do not deserve, you are saved from your own sins. You are raised up with him and seated, um, he has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So like all of us, the moment we believe, are seated with him in heaven. It'll happen one day, but there's a part of us that is brand new, made alive, brand new. Reset button hit um, like it never happened. Um, we go on, and what is this newness of life thing? Well, Paul talks about this in Colossians. He says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off your old self with its practices and put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is the third shirt I've worn today, right? Francis is teasing me. Man, you have hit a like spot when Francis picked on you. Um, and I, I put this shirt on, and I got a cup of coffee, and I looked at it, and I thought, I probably shouldn't drink this because I'm going to spill on my shirt, right? Because now that I got a new one on, maybe I should act like I'm wearing the third shirt for the day and not spill on it, right? Like, this is what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, if you're made new, if you're brand new as a person, like, you're new in heart and mind. We're no longer in rebellion. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, and we need to learn to live as though we're wearing a new shirt. Don't make it messy again. Got it? And this is the first consequence of the resurrection. We celebrate Easter because we're new, folks. All the stains are gone. Better than bleach. Um, Paul goes on. This is verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So Paul says, listen, if it's true that we walk in this newness of life, if we're united in him, like buried in baptism, come out of the water, a brand new, like resurrected person, then we'll be resurrected with him. Now, this is resurrected. Resurrected is not the same thing as resuscitated, right? Resuscitated is where, like, suddenly you start breathing, and you are the man you were before, or the woman you were before, and you get up, and you're alive again, right? That happened to Lazarus. That happens on those scary movies that, you know, I'm not going to talk about it because it's a sermon. Um, but that is resuscitated, right? It is brought back to life. Resurrection is recreation. It is where you are made brand new. New frame, new body, new engine, new transmission, new tires, new everything, right? We are resurrected with him. Um, that means that right now we are resurrected like brand new inside. And in eternity, not only will we, will we be like this brand new spiritual person, but physically we'll become different, like healthy, perfect, because that's what we have to hope for. That is fantastic, isn't it? 
Any of y'all have chronic illness? Any of y'all aware that all of us are going to die one day? You know, there's a 100% mortality rate. That's a bad statistic. We're never going to get it down. Um, like, but we have this new life that's given to us. Christians don't die. They sleep, right? They take a nap until it's time to come back. Um, and there's joy with this, right? Like this is a consequence of the resurrection. If it is true, if Easter is real, if Jesus really rose from the dead, man, that's something to celebrate, right? That's why we shout, he is risen. I got to do that to keep you awake um, so that Anne's, Anne has time to finish cooking. Um, Isaiah said, your dead shall live, their body shall rise. You who dwell in the dust awake and sing for joy. Um, it's easy to forget how wonderful a thing it is, right? I'm forgiven. Man, it's worth singing about. It's worth celebrating. Um, he goes on. We know that our old self was crucified with him meaning the old man that I was, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be bought or brought to nothing, meaning like the sinful part of me is gone. It's bought out so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Have any of y'all ever done something dumb and said, man, I'm never doing that again? And then like the next day you do it again? Is it just <laughs> um, or you get done doing something dumb and you look back and you think, what was I even thinking? What, what happened there? Or like in the moment, like you, you do something truly wicked and you look back and you're like, man, I, what happened? It's just like there's this part of us, this physical, like dead, like sinful part that wants to sin, that enjoys sinning, that looks for opportunities to sin. And like what happens is because we're new in Christ, we have the ability to overcome sin. I talked to someone recently who was struggling with an addiction and he told me, I tell myself every time I'm just going to fail anyway, Right. But what Paul is telling us is, if it's true that Jesus was raised from the dead and we're raised with him, then that's just a lie, right? Because we can overcome. We just have to walk in Christ and dig in and, like, be alive. And sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it takes years to overcome stuff. But it is an inevitability because Jesus, like, lives in us and we are continually growing and becoming different. Um, so we're no longer enslaved to sin. We're freed. It's fantastic. Um, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Now, watch this. Um, you've been set free from sin. Like, what he's talking about is, um, you ever watched a movie where somebody faked their death to get out of paying their credit card bill? Anybody ever thought about it? <laughs> Man, that car payment. But if I fake my death, <laughs> those student loans are gone. Um, this is the idea here. You die to this old life, and it's, your debt is paid, and you come out of it free, no longer a slave, right? And make no mistake, if you can't say no to a behavior, you're a slave to it, right? If you can't stop drinking, if you can't stop looking at porn, if you can't stop cussing out your wife, if you can't stop um, rebelling against God, like if you can't stop sinning, like you're a slave. There ain't no one way or the other about it. You don't make your own choice. The sin makes it for you. That makes you a slave. But in Christ, we're free. It might take us time to get there, but it is the truth. Um, so one of the consequences of the resurrection of this new creation is that he enables us to strive and overcome sin. Um, this is, again, from Romans. This is about a chapter later. Uh, but now we are released from the law, meaning the, the law like God's law that we can't follow because we kind of suck, right? Um, I'm sorry, because we're awful. Um, having died to that which held us captive so that we might serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code, meaning the Holy Spirit takes us over and he helps us do right. 
Um, if you meet somebody who brags about how awesome they are and how good they are and they look down their nose at you and think, you're evil and I'm awesome, right? Anybody know people like that? <laughs> Don't point. <laughs> um, that is somebody who is ignoring the reality that the only reason we ever manage right is because God is in us and because the Holy Spirit enables us and because that is a mercy he gives us, right? Um, we're going to move on here. I know I'm kind of running along. I'm going to do my best here. Um, that's not funny, Mike. Um, <laughs> we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives to God, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what's he saying here? He's saying that Jesus one time, right, one time died. He died on the cross. God, like, turns his back on him. He dies spiritually. He dies physically. He experiences the closest thing to hell like that you can, right? Um, for your sake, because he loves you, taking your sin upon himself, and it's only going to happen once. And after that, death is abolished. I uh, shared this story this morning. I'm going to do it again. I'm sorry, because I think it's fantastic. I read a story about a, a preacher who was on the way to preach at his wife's funeral. Had his kids with him, and they get stuck behind a truck. And the kids are trying to grapple with the death of their mother, and they ask him, they're asking him questions. He's trying to explain it to them. And finally, like, he, he looks ahead of him at this red light, and there's a big 18-wheeler there with this truck, right? And the sun is low in the sky because it's the morning, and it's throwing a shadow down, right? And he asks his daughter, he says, honey, would you rather get hit by this truck or that shadow? Well, the shadow, of course. And the shadow won't hurt. And he says, honey, Jesus got hit by the truck. Like, he died for real. And he says, mommy, she got hit by the shadow. Because everyone who's in Jesus, he took the truck for us. And after that, there's just the shadow. Because we know that we're alive in Christ. We know that we're spiritually alive. And we know, we know that it's a passing thing then. Because he's conquered death and it's gone. Because in him we are brand new. And because of that, like we have hope in Christ. Um, this is from Thessalonians. Paul is writing again because Paul wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Paul says asleep, not dead. Jesus actually says asleep, not dead over and over again. Because death doesn't have dominion over Christians. We don't die, we sleep. Um, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Meaning, so when Jesus comes back, everybody who's asleep, everyone who's passed away comes back. Like, man, there's hope in that. There's hope. And actually, not even just hope that we'll live again one day, but there's hope that, like, I'm forgiven. There's hope that I won't be screwed up forever. Anybody? Man, that's... <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen eventually. Um... In Christ on Easter, that empty tomb is hope. It's hope that we will live again. Um, the final thing I want to touch on here is that we walk in a power for a new life. Like the apostles, there are ten disciples, ten of the original disciples, right, who like were alive, um, or eleven that were alive at the end of the Gospels, right? These eleven disciples were easily defeated, right? The, the temple guards came to arrest Jesus and they ran away and hid. One of them, like, tried to run, and the guard grabbed him, and he pulled out of his clothes and ran away in his underwear. 
Um, if you get beat up so bad you run home in your underwear, you are not tough. Everybody got that? First service heard the joke twice now. Um, <laughs> but I don't have new material. Um, these guys were cowards. Um, they, they were dumb. If you read the Gospels, they said dumb things over and over again. If you read about their lives after, the first like sermon Peter delivers publicly converts 3,000 people. The first time Peter's arrested, this man who ran away and hid, cussed out a little like 12-year-old girl saying, I don't know Jesus, get away from me, um, like lying. Like, like the first sermon that Jesus did, or that Paul, or Peter, aha, the first sermon Peter did, thousands of people converted. He's arrested, brought in, and they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to kill you if you keep talking about Jesus. And he's like, what, am I supposed to obey you or God? I'll, I'll obey God, thanks. And then they took him and they, they whipped him. And he walked away cheering. Yay! I suffered the way Jesus did. That's fantastic. Not the same man, right? The Apostle Paul killed Christians. He helped in the murder of Stephen, like the first like martyr of the Christian faith. Paul was converted when he encountered Jesus on the road, and he lived the rest of his life preaching the gospel. Um, he was homeless. He was naked. He was, was um, in danger repeatedly. He was in prison repeatedly. But he was a different man, right? This is a little like Hitler becoming a rabbi. Got it? It's a 180-degree turn. If you look at the folks who encountered the risen Lord, encountered Jesus, they were made brand new. They were changed. Um, and the same is true of anybody who encounters Jesus. And this is something not to get tired of, right? This is something to be excited about every morning because it's, it's worth having. It's a new life that's actually worth living. Um, it's not boring religious practice. It's brand new gift from God life. He can change us too. Um, the reality is that that I've watched I've watched folks change like you wouldn't believe. I'll tell you that God has changed me more than you would believe. Ask my wife; she'll tell you. Ten years ago, I was not the man I am today. God has, by His own grace, saved me, and I've watched God change people all around me. Um, because walking in new life is amazing. Um, we're going to close in prayer. My challenge for you today: um, you know, we celebrate Easter week. We do this. There's this familiarity to it, but it's something we should never, ever, ever, ever get bored with. It's something that should inspire us every day. Brand new life. God has given this to you. Walk in it. Um, it's glorious and awesome. Um, be brand new because God loves you that much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we're here to celebrate the empty tomb this morning. We're here to to, to celebrate Easter, Lord, but it's not just an empty tomb. It's not just a, a stone box in the ground that, that, that we celebrate. It's a risen, alive Savior and Lord, a God who loves us more than anything, a God who would go through anything to save us from ourselves, from our own wickedness and brokenness. And Lord, I pray that you would touch us today. Lord, those who don't know you, I pray that they would take this seriously, that they would take this on and, and be new um, because it's free um, and it's life changing and Lord I pray those of us who, who walk in it and forget Lord that you would give us some inspiration that Easter wouldn't be once a year but every day because we have new life and we have reason to celebrate every day in Jesus name amen we're going to close with a blessing and then I will let y'all go and hopefully Ann Pam is done <laughs> stand up and I'll bless <laughs> sorry um May the God who sent his son to die for you, may the God who loves you 
more than you can even understand. May he make you brand new every day. May he change your heart every morning you wake up and look at him. And you may, may you be in awe like a three-year-old looking at the stars in the night sky for the first time. May your soul cry out, wow, every time you gaze upon Jesus.